Greetings, everyone. This is Pastor Mike, and I'm here at home in one of the upstairs rooms of my house with my Bible open to Romans chapter 7. We're starting in verse 14. It says this, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now this passage deals with one of the most frequently asked questions among believers. And that is, how do I experience victory over sin? We so often talk about obedience, holiness, service. We so very much want to experience righteousness, victory, freedom. And yet all too often... Our experience mirrors that of Paul here in Romans chapter 7. The thing I want to do, I don't do. The thing I don't want to do, I do do. Right? Like Paul, we cry out, Who will rescue me from this body of death? Now we've just started to unpack the fourth of six principles, six paradigms that are the biblical foundation on which we experience transformation in our lives, in our homes, church, workplace, school, city, and nation. If you're a recent follower of this podcast, I'd encourage you to check out the previous episodes where we unpack those first three paradigms. But the fourth paradigm of transformation is this. The kingdom of God exists where Jesus reigns as Lord. Therefore, transformation happens where Satan's kingdom is renounced, evicted, and his jurisdiction voided by the blood of Jesus through repentance, and the lordship of Christ is established. So then, how do we establish Christ's lordship, his reign, in our lives? How do we experience righteousness, holiness, and victory over sin? Too often, the answer we get to this question is try harder, be more committed, learn discipline, or even pray harder, 
Read more. Consider the eternal consequences of your sin. But like Paul, we find that while my inner being delights in God's law, that is, I understand that God's way is good and right, yet I see, as Paul would say, another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin that is at work within me. When Paul gives his answer to this dilemma, notice how he doesn't say, what will deliver me? Or how can I be delivered? But he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because you see, the answer is a person, Jesus Christ. So then how are we delivered through Jesus Christ? We've been recently examining how the blood of Christ cleanses us from the sins we've committed. When by faith, we appropriate the blood of Jesus over our lives through confession and repentance, we're forgiven because God has accepted the blood of his son as the price for the sins I've committed. God has dealt with the sin. But what about the sinner that produces the sin? We need to differentiate between the two. Experiencing victory begins by understanding the root of our problem. Now let me ask you a question. Are we sinners because we sin? Or do we sin because we are sinners? Consider that for a minute and answer that question in your own mind. Are we sinners because we sin? Or do we sin because we are sinners? This is an important question that we should all know the answer to. And the answer is we sin because we are sinners. In Romans chapter 5, verses 12 and verse 19, Paul says, Sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus the many will be made righteous. What this is saying is that when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he became the father of a race of sinners of whom you and I are descendants. Since I was born in Adam, I have a sin nature just like Adam. It's that fallen sin nature that produces the sins I commit. That means God may forgive my sins, the things that I do. But if there is no answer for the sin nature that produces those sins, my experience with sin will never change practically. Think of it this way. Imagine in a war, if you managed to destroy the guns that were shooting at you, and the tanks, and the planes that were dropping bombs on you, and the missiles that were being shot at you, but you never destroyed the factories that produced all of these weapons. The war would never end. New weapons would continually be reproduced and you'd be fighting those same battles against those same weapons. But there's good news. God has dealt decisively with both my sins and the sin factory 
my sinful nature, which produces those sins. In Romans chapter 6, starting in the second half of verse 2, it says that we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. This is such an important scripture because it contains God's answer to our sin nature problem. And it's not do better, try harder, crucify your own flesh. But the answer is we must die. The sin factory must be destroyed. But how can I do that? Can I kill myself? No. The good news is it's already been done. That I died, it says, in Christ. My sinful nature was included in Christ's death. Or as Paul puts it, I was united with him in his death. So how does this work? We often don't think of Jesus' death in this way. We primarily think of his death as substitutional. But this says that Christ's death was also inclusive. I was personally included in his death. Just as I sinned in Adam, I died in Christ. Died to what? The heredity that made me a child of Adam, and therefore a slave to sin. Now hang on and think this through with me. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 45 through 47 says, So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural. And after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. Here Paul calls Jesus the last Adam and the second man. As the last Adam, all that was in Adam, the sum total of all of fallen humanity, died in Christ. That part of me was personally included in his death. That's what Romans 6 is saying. But it gets even better. We're included not just in his death, but in his resurrection. What that means is that when I put my faith in Christ, God is able to actually transfer my heredity. That's what's so amazing. And if you think about it, that's why one of the most important tenets of our faith is the virgin birth of Jesus. Our sinful nature, the nature that we inherit from Adam, is passed down through Adam, through the Father, from generation to generation. But remember, Jesus was not born of an earthly father, that he was born of a virgin, that God was his father. 
And this is so amazing. I was born in Adam, but through faith, I'm born again and placed in Christ. As the second man, Christ is the head of a whole new race, a race that traces their family tree, not to Adam, but now to Christ. That is why we are now children of God and co-heirs with Christ. This is such a revolutionary thing. Jesus died not just for my sins, but he died that I might die and possess a whole new life in Christ. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Jesus has given us a whole new identity in Christ, a new heredity. I am no longer Mike Thorley, son of Gary Thorley, son of Adam. I am Mike Thorley, child of God. In the last Adam, the old Mike was put to death. As the second man, Jesus is the first fruits of a whole new race of men and women who bear his name and likeness, born of the Spirit. All things are made new in Christ. So today, let's rejoice in this amazing thing that God has done in Jesus Christ. For who shall deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.